0: Welcome, everyone, to the Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. What did you want, freak? The Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode
1: 204, Scar Tissue, is brought to you by Imaginary Little League Games. Lose yourself in the excitement.
0: Pete, glad to be talking some more Punisher here. Kind of wish that you hadn't worn that t-shirt on the bus on the ride over. But hey, I guess that's how it goes. I know, Pete, it's Friday. That means tomorrow, a new Star Trek Discovery podcast over on our Pop Culture Podcast feed, if that's where you're listening. If not, we have, of course, the dedicated Star Trek feed. Uh, And who knows, Pete, other geeky goodness as we make our way through uh, through this cold winter what can i say it
1: was laundry day take us to the recap matt
0: the episode opens with an angry and small man he's getting on a bus and notices the socked feet of a mostly still very pretty billy russo the small angry man yells at billy and smacks his head both get off the bus though the man doesn't know billy is following him they end up in a quiet courtyard and the small man takes out a knife cut to Billy walking out with a new set of clothes the credits show the episode is written by Angela Lamana, staff writer on the Punisher and directed by Ian B McDonald veteran of shameless Hotel Babylon and a variety of British TV from outside the camera slowly pushes into a window framing Frank Castle elsewhere Madani is explaining to Rafi that she needed to act or else she tells Rafi she ditched Frank outside the city Intercut is her giving instructions to Frank in her apartment while Rachel looks on. Rafi's concerned that she isn't doing more for therapy beyond what the department required. In Madani's apartment, Rachel wonders who Madani is and how Frank has access to a DHS chopper. All Frank will say is that he's got the couch, she gets the bedroom. Frank watches a little TV and is quickly served up news of Billy's escape. Rachel looks through Madani's closet and decides it's time for a shower and a costume change. She can't sleep on the well-appointed bed, though, preferring the spotless existence under the bed. Only there does she let her guard down and start to cry. Later, Madani returns to a snoozing Frank. She wants answers. He says she's only helped him because Billy escaped, came back from a coma, and more. Frank sees the dream journal, the ghostly visage of the Punisher skull coming at him over and over. She's got the original, too, Frank's vest with the skull. Has she gotten Frank to take the shot on Billy that she couldn't? But Donnie leaves, and later still, Frank leaves. Rachel sleeps and flashes back to a dead body, to several dead bodies, to witnessing a slaughter in a motel room and running. Frank, however, is off to see Kurt. Both brothers' in arms are all right, although they really should go fishing sometime. Curtis explains that he carried a gun because Billy is out. He had visited Billy at his worst, buys the story of Kurt and Frank and the service being now. Curtis has a lady friend now, by the way, and wants to keep clear of the storm. So if Billy can't remember, where would he go? Flashback to Billy talking Little League baseball to Frank and the weight of recent service. In the present, in a bar, Billy uses his new switchblade to take off his hospital band. He's free, though sees the news report about his own escape. Flashback to a weaker Billy wearing a clean mask, crying during therapy, unable to complete his push-up regimen. He did 20, not his usual fantastic geek outing of like a thousand. He can't even walk across the room without breaking a sweat. He rambles about his past, thinks back to being asked about the skull chasing him. Dr. Dumont, aka Dr. Figurative Language, says his dreams are like a knot. You must work on it she suggests he decorate his mask to project how he wants to be seen in the present day he sees himself in the mirror then it's night and billy is back at the ball fields he nods off dreaming of the skull the next morning billy is in the home of arthur doesn't arthur remember billy from the ray of hope group home arthur makes them irish coffee and billy says he wasn't sure where else to go billy stammers while he speaks and talks about having trouble remembering Arthur blames the kids, kids like Tommy O'Neill, for ruining his life, sending him to prison. He makes no apologies for the horrible lines he crossed. Arthur wonders if the scars came from Billy's service and says so in questionable terms. Billy's rage increases. Also in the morning, Rachel wakes, angry to have been locked in the bedroom. She calms down and talks about the killing to Frank. She recaps having left for tacos, then he returned. He who? He who? She should run, like Fiona said. Fiona who? Back to the guy. We know him as Pilgrim. He returned and she couldn't run, couldn't scream, couldn't be seen by him. Frank says that they still can't run now. Sometimes you gotta fight. Later, Madani comes home. They're enjoying a health food breakfast, and Frank remembers back to Arthur Walsh, who had tried to cross a line with young Billy. Maybe Frank could track that down? There's a knock at the door. Frank and Rachel hide. It's Sergeant Brett Mahoney, wondering, one cop to another, if Billy's dream journal is around. He warns her not to look like a psycho with Billy and intuits someone else is in the apartment, assuming it's a gentleman caller. Madani and Mahoney leave. Frank showers and Rachel heads to the local electronics store to use a laptop and learn about the Punisher, then splits. Madani then, flying solo, goes to the home of Arthur Walsh. He's quite dead now. She hears a creak and shoots. Mahoney twice in the vest. He might forgive her for shooting him, but only if she fesses up. She outbadges him. She's the special agent in charge of New York, and he's an NYPD schlub, and she tells him to deal with this murder. At Madani's apartment, Rachel returns, knowing Frank's Frank, and now we know Rachel's Amy. At Dr. Dumont's home, knock-knock, Billy is there, covered in blood. He followed her home, She's a little slow in the uptake, taking a minute to ask about the blood on his hands and shirt. She leads him to the bathroom to wash up. Alone, she's ready to call for help, but flashes back to Billy putting on the decorated mask. He talks of being the best version of himself when he was in the service, and now he's pulled down by a dark shadow in his mind. What if he deserves this, he asks. What if he can be redeemed, she asks. In the present day, she hasn't called, and he's looking on. Is his best version still possible? She puts her phone down. Pete, let's talk bad guys in this episode. Let's start. We have to start, Pete, with Billy.
1: Oh, Billy Russo. Maybe not having all of his memories, but fixating on the ones that he has and here going back and taking care of business with Arthur
0: Walsh. We talked a few episodes ago about a lack of sympathy for uh, for Pilgrim. Uh, I have to contrast that with some of the sympathy I feel in this episode for Billy, no doubt in his current mindset with his current set of memories, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. He did perpetrate that breakout, you know, kill or maim two, three corrections officers on the way out, things of that sort. We can assume Mr. T-shirt guy similarly uh, down for the count. Arthur certainly out of the picture as well. But I feel like we've turned back the clock to pre-season one Billy And some of his veteran experiences and veteran time, I think, is what's more immediately at the surface. So I think this episode offering a little bit of reflection on that veteran post-service, post-field-of-combat experience there. And some of it leaking into how I view Billy.
1: And I think there's a very real conversation to be had about who makes a villain who is responsible how much of it is the nurture as opposed to the nature
0: i know we spent a little time in the first season talking about uh, a uh, former brother-in-law of mine a brother-in-law through marriage uh, the marriage ending in divorce blah 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 but he he and marine a former marine somebody who did two tours of duty in iraq and kind of in watching this episode and talking about some of that stuff uh in Punisher in the last couple episodes I was saying to myself when is the last time I saw him and it's like oh this summer it'll be 10 years you know last I heard life was good life you know he kind of p- post-service post seeing terrible challenging things doing terrible challenging things he had gotten gotten things kind of together but this episode reminding me you know we owe a certain uh we obviously owe a debt of gratitude to people who have served in the name of of our country but also i think there's an element here with billy where it's like there's this there's this echo effect that has that is still getting him later in life and some of it is at the intersection of of his service
1: yeah and when you consider the considerable counseling he's gotten at the hands of dr dumont and thank goodness matt we finally have an explanation for the mask we couldn't have gotten that tidbit like the first time we saw him oh yes billy and i see you have decorated your mask as per my suggestion go on with the story
0: i think it's one of those things that marvel tv often does which is kind of have a question and let it linger which i think is a little bit different than like an outright mystery like you know what is the background of uh, of bullseye how, you know what how did he get here or you know star trek discovery what's the deal with the fact that the guy in the mirror uh didn't move um i think it's just one of those things that they that they stick a pin in intentionally this was also an episode that had me thinking about you know what is Jeff Loeb's role as the overseer of Marvel TV how much of these kind of tone and pacing things are from his particular leadership versus hey steve lightfoot go run the show hey wanu let's have monthly meetings let's look at the budget things like that uh i don't know but i you know i can't help but notice a certain palette similarity to certainly the marvel netflix shows and most immediately daredevil season three
1: yeah And I definitely see what you're talking about, but I think those particular cases that you mentioned nowhere near as prominent. You want to hit me with a zinger at the end of an episode where someone's image stays in a mirror and then does something differently than they did. Obviously that's what you want me left with to ponder. You're going to show me this mask and make no reference to it whatsoever. Like, you know, I'm supposed to think as somebody who comes from a medical family that, all right, are those the lines from the stitches? Is, is it an outline made on his face? But what's with the colors and everything? And I know he made the finger paint reference in the previous episode. But to connect that to the mask, I think, was a stretch. But again, you know, not down on this. I'm just glad we finally got. Hey, I encourage my patients to decorate this, to, to make it look like you feel on the inside. That to me was, was humanizing. That was positive therapy made for a guy who later in this episode, uh, jams his childhood tormentor with a stick.
0: And, uh, no question, I think as to the, as to the villainy, uh, shown in Arthur Walsh's past, uh. I think it was, I don't want to quite say daring, perhaps that's hyperbole, but it was an interesting choice, perhaps not the easiest choice, for the show to 110% go all in on Arthur Walsh did these bad things. This was not uh, that, that Billy somehow had the wrong perspective. Or, you know, was it Billy age 18 where maybe it's legal? Or but This was just full on Arthur Walsh is a monster. And as much as he opens the door metaphorically since Billy (laughs) wanders on into the home on his own power, but as kind of kindly old neighbor man as Arthur Walsh is, we again have one of these characters where it's just the one episode. It's doubtless a New York actor. This is not, you know, Oh man, Pete, they got, you know, they got uh, Al Pacino in for a three episode thing and it's going to be amazing. This is a guy, an actor I've never heard of before. I don't know that I've seen him before. And he goes from sweet old neighbor to, in the beginning, I'm like, you know what? Maybe Billy misremembered or maybe this isn't the right guy or whatever. To Arthur Walsh's sneering admission that those kids owed him the love that was shown. And it's just stomach-turning.
1: It is. And, you know, they they deal with it. Um, for a Netflix show of this I guess rating TVMA they deal with it uh, pretty tentatively at first you're like all right so is this a one to one was he molested by this guy did I hear this correctly and and those words are never spoken um but heavily implied and then the line about how you know Billy was pretty and then what you mentioned before that these These children were all too eager to return the love that he had shown them. Um, Yeah, clearly this man was a monster. Doesn't mean he had to die. Certainly doesn't mean that Billy's therapy entails murdering him.
0: Well, I think that's kind of the the story net gain in that you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the show what it gave me. I don't have the, you know, New York, uh, criminal code in front of me. I'll take the show what it gave me in terms of he was accused of these crimes, found guilty, went to jail for 10 years, obviously paid a, a social price since then in terms of losing his pension and his job and reputation right. and things like that. Let's say for the sake of argument, he was, you know, his crimes were behind him and these actions had stopped. Okay. That, that still makes my skin crawl a little bit, but if that's the social contract of, of, justice served and time served and all that fine that said pete uh fictional child molester killed by our villain in the punisher show you know i'm okay with that but then it's like oh billy who may have been the criminal mastermind for these last episodes you know who we can we can admire his brain and his his dedication to acting like he's damaged no this is an episode where there's the stutter and there's kind of the body convulsions a bit and there's all of this coming forth and you say this is a profoundly broken man and our villain is someone that we can still profoundly fear
1: listen no one is going to mourn for arthur walsh I think we more so mourn with the potential floated at the end of this episode of Billy's redemption when no possibility exists.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's the, the the scary note that it ends on this notion again. I'm glad Dr. Dumont is not played as the doe eyed, you know, oh shucks, handsome. I'll I'll, I'll save you. But she's, She's clearly misguided. I have no doubt that there is a American Psychologist Association bit of guidance, let alone um, legal guidance, to say, you know, when someone has committed a crime, you can't hide that even though you're a therapist. You know, it's the old... The old uh, code of confidence there, taken in by your doctor or your or your priest, your pastor, your religious person. But there's also a line where I don't know. They show up with not their blood covered in them. Should have yeah. dialed nine one one and chose not to. So, I mean, a minor, a minor villain, Pete. But I guess we have to throw some some villainous uh, attention towards Doctor Dumont there.
1: uh yeah, but how much of what she does in this episode is motivated by fear. She's prepared to make the phone call. She flashes back to their conversation about his redemption. um, And then he sees her with the phone. She can't make that call then. Um, So hers is a really interesting case
0: we've been talking a lot about sympathy. I certainly feel sympathy for her. And I'm not saying like, Oh man dropped the ball. It was a clear decision. Um, Just that, you know, objectively right decision or wrong decision, the wrong decision got made uh, at least in the short term.
1: Yeah. um, I come back to her being witnessed with the phone though. If she attempts to make that call, she dies
0: then you know what kudos to the show for giving that degree of uh kind of ambiguity or that kind of story out short term because you're right i mean it's kind of easy to sit at home and go oh, i should tell 911 and done the right thing with a capital r and a capital t with your cowboy hat and your six shooter you know take justice into your own hands um it, it is a frightening situation that she's in pete perhaps just as frighteningly or frightening in a different sense Uh, We see Madani in this episode. Among other things, uh, illegal search and seizure of a home, illegal entry into a home without a warrant, without probable cause, dressed as a cop, no coordination with other law enforcement officials. I mean, this is like basic structure of of law enforcement and, dare say, society that, that she's nipping at here.
1: Matt, our agent Madani plugged Brett Mahoney in his vest in this home she broke into at point-blank range and thankfully did not kill him. Uh, What has happened to our agent, Dina Madani?
0: I mean, it's that call of the gold, but take out gold and insert, whether it's revenge, whether it's justice as she sees it. I mean, that's, that's kind of the scariest thing there, Pete. As she says to Mahoney, she's the agent in charge of New York for... Homeland Security yeah. she has all this power and she's willing to abuse it for her justice which you know is is a level of concern it's not you know sticking a guy guilty of you know past horrible crimes we are not sticking a guy with a broomstick through his chest or you know unseen damage done to jerky shirt guy but like again that's kind of fabric of our society who can you trust kind of stuff that she's getting involved in
1: it was one thing and it happens in shades in this episode, you know, she's, she's lying to Raffi, who for some reason in a subtitle was referred to as Gunner at one point. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs>
0: I did see something and I was like, ah, I must have, I must have been typing. Like, you know, it was Pete. No one's perfect. Not even Netflix.
1: No. Um, you know, first she lies to him about where Castle is. Uh, You know, oh, he's in a he's in a hotel. No, not living in my home. (laughs) Um, And she's staying in the hotel in not in Jersey. I'm sure it's not even as if they they swapped positions. But then that she nearly Matt took the, the last vestige that we have right now of Daredevil from us
0: it's it's a very uncomfortable situation that she puts herself in that she puts the audience in um she of course unaware that you know she's a fictional construct and we're watching her but you know I think there's there's supposed to be this hope of law and order and sometimes the Punisher needs to act outside it or Daredevil or whomever um but what we see with her is this increasing abuse in government And, you know, I credit I credit Steve Lightfoot and the writing room for taking that direction with her, if only because I think it would have been easy to be like, look, she's, you know, double win here. She's a female and a minority. We can show her as steady hand on the tiller and always professional and maybe have a scene where she's drying a couple tears after a therapy session. But you know what? You get it out. You untie the knot, as Dr. Dumont said. Uh, And and you get over it and you get yourself healthy physically, healthy mentally, and she's, she's now a cardboard cutout of great American upward trending in government. And instead, we're seeing her be flawed, which is the more narratively interesting and more narratively challenging choice.
1: It is, and you nailed it there. Damn if Amber Rose Reva doesn't make this, albeit dangerous, character really watchable.
0: Pete, let's talk some theories here when last we saw pilgrim he was in ohio uh what is pilgrim's progress
1: uh pilgrim's progress right now i'm gonna say he's in some spot in between and obviously we're gonna find out
0: real soon (laughs) um it, it was an interesting choice to not have pilgrim in the episode at all it certainly is not an unfamiliar choice but i i thought an interesting one um Pete, just to circle back here, this notion discussed earlier that uh, Billy may be cognitively unaware of his sins from last season. How much excuse do you give him if we are being presented uh, with just a tortured veteran here, somebody who in his consciousness did not do the things we saw him do last season?
1: I mean, it's so interestingly drawn he's had this traumatic brain injury he's undergone this counseling and while we're a little suspicious of dr dumont and her course of treatment when uh he breaks out and now has shown up at her door covered in someone else's blood um I don't think either of us can say she doesn't have noble aims. So with him, it's like we've hit a reset button to a certain point point. and okay. He wanted vengeance against uh, a, a childhood molester. Um, I think a lot of people would be justified in feeling that the difference is He's acted upon it with murderous intent rather than here's a tip to cops. Here's, um, you know, the information of what he did to myself and others. Remember, as you pointed out, this is a man who served his time. Um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty hard to be fully sympathetic to Billy Russo.
0: What theories are on your radar?
1: What is up with Amy getting under the bed this after the story that when she found the people dead in their motel room, she was under the bed?
0: For my money, it made sense pre-flashback, it made sense that, you know, in this kind of, you know, written on the page but not said in dialogue kind of notion of – um She doesn't feel comfortable in this strange room. It's too open. It's too, you know, it's all that we want, Pete. It's a big, giant room with a great view of, you know, Manhattan and sunlight coming in and giant closets, and that's all too open for her, and she needs the constraint under the world's cleanest underbed area. Um, So again, it was like, ooh, she needs the constraint to feel safe. But then it's, she saw this terrible thing while under a bed. To me, it's a little there's a little cognitive dissonance there. Maybe it's just like, Hey, in the writing room, she goes under the bed, flashback to under the bed. It's great through line. To me, it's not a great through line.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I get that she sought refuge there. I get that we show the uncomfortability on a comfortable bed that tells a story in the action. Okay. Was, was, was she sleeping in, uh, indoors? Was she, uh, in doorways, I should say. Was she, uh, you know, able to be comfortable in uncomfortable places? And now this great soft bed of Agent Madani's with her 15 identical outfits in the closet is too sensory for me, and I must go under the bed. And maybe I'm afraid of, Frank slash Pete slash whomever this guy is. I've seen murder a lot of people. Uh, Hence, I've locked myself in Madonna's room. But yeah, like you say, when the story plays out and we're privy to the details, what we have so far of Amy working for Fiona and this job in Chicago and the people dead in the motel and the photos and everything like that. Um, it just doesn't square at this point
0: to stick on the, the fashion trends just for a moment. It did have me wondering, Pete, uh, like, I, I guess this is what it's like for women in a white collar world, you know, where you always particularly in like Homeland security, I doubt they have, you know, crazy hat Thursdays and jeans Fridays and things like that. Uh, you know, men and women alike, but like, is this what it's like? Like dark black suit light black suit charcoal suit light blue dark blue white cream you know like there's no there's no Hawaiian shirt day once a year or anything like that so is it just it almost was like Pete you know there's an old episode of Thundercats where chitara opens her closet and it's eight different chitara you know leotards and that's it and it was like oh I guess that's all they wear so I guess that's how it is Pete
1: I I bought it I mean how many different color combinations is a female agent going to wear in a man's world when you're both expected to wear suits. So Amy uh, was with this party of five other people that was found dead. Uh, What was the nature of their job taking pictures of people at a, uh, a funeral mat in Chicago?
0: I had a real vibe of it being reminiscent of um, Great Expectations and Fagin with the with the kids that are you know out doing rascally things, um, just this notion that you know I think it still is not fully formed in terms of what we've been given in the episode, but this notion of hey, kind of hire kids that might be no pun intended runaways or on the edges of society that kind of thing and have them. Have them be the uh, kind of boots on the ground for whatever whatever bad is being done because who would notice you know a homeless kid or who would notice a kid who's working as a waiter at this function or you know that that sort of thing. Um, I continue to be interested, although perhaps a little bit less so, in this still unfolding mystery of the past. My request up to the uh, up to the writers' room of the past as they put this together is all right, we're heading into into episode five after this. Let's kind of get a move on of like, and these kids were there taking pictures of politicians to sell to the newspaper or to, you know, have them uh, change votes or whatever it is. Let's kind of like get to it at this point.
1: And you steal my next thought. The way that she's initially explaining this and it might've been with the Arthur storyline in our minds. Okay, there were a bunch of people, you know, kissing and hugging and and crying at this funeral. And first I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Is Is there some kind of like trafficking ring or, you know, what evidence is being taken when you let it sit and it's like, all right, these are people at a funeral, they're mourning.
0: Yeah, it certainly was an incongruous combination there, kissing and hugging and crying. Um, particularly when you say kissing and hugging, usually that's a euphemism for something not done at a funeral. Um, again, I just return to it's an interesting mystery. Let, let's get to it at this point with telling us what it is and then moving forward.
1: Uh, how about Madani shooting Mahoney here, Matt? Uh, how is he alive? How is he just and and she maligns him for uh, having to catch his breath?
0: I did remember seeing you know one of these like how it's made or something like that where uh, one of the ways to test how effective a uh, a bulletproof vest is is they'll take you know a vest off the production line and stick it on uh, like a clay dummy of a torso and then because when you put it on a person there's a certain impact but you know skin and muscle kind of goes back into place and you bruise you know whatnot but with the clay it kind of stays static where it leaves this hole in the clay that isn't going to come back you can measure the force blah 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 and like good news pete bulletproof vest stops the bullet you might you might break a rib or you might have a terrible bruise for the next two weeks but obviously you didn't get a armor-piercing bullet through your lungs or whatever it might be but it does a heck of a lot of damage, and I think the show underplayed it, particularly at the distance she fires. I don't know much about guns, Pete. All I know is, you know, I'm listening to a James Bond audiobook, and his Beretta is not good past 20 or 30 yards or doesn't have good stopping power or whatever. Uh, she's got a, a grown-up 2018, you know, agent's kind of gun, and I'm surprised he popped up after that.
1: <laughs> um, Hey, Matt. When you're already on TV because people know you are dangerous, is it a good idea to be walking around the streets covered then in someone else's blood?
0: Um, No, asterisk, maybe he closed that coat for the walk on over there. And then as he went on the doorstep, he said, wait a minute, I need to have dramatic camera reveal and unbuttoned his coat. But your point overall is is well taken.
1: All right. So is it believable that her apartment would be under some kind of surveillance? She was treating him. She's seen on video being brought outside by him and then some kind of outside surveillance had to have glimpsed her, uh, in that alleyway. Um, you think they might've been keeping tabs on her?
0: Um, Pete, at least in our universe for fiscal year, 2018, the NYPD had, uh, about 38,500 officers along with, uh, about 5,000 officers auxiliary some school safety agents blah 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 if your question is could one of those people sit in an unmarked car outside her house that hey bud that's your shift for the next eight hours the answer is a resounding yes and pete we can officially label this thing that we saw in the story not your concern but what we've seen in the story as some story baloney because you're absolutely right she's got to be maybe not suspect number one but how about person whose head you don't want chopped off by this guy? Number one has got to be her. So Joe or Jane Schmo has got to sit there in a car and you know listen to the radio and make sure you know who's going going in and out of her her well-appointed brownstone. I think we know the
1: answer, but can Doctor Dumont possibly redeem Billy Russo?
0: I think. We are going to see Billy redeem himself by the end of the season. I think we would be well served for him not to remain on the storyboard, you know, at the end of the season. Like, I don't want Jigsaw Returns for season three, even though it's getting canceled because of Marvel Netflix, but that's a separate issue. Um, I think it needs to be him. He needs to have that, have his evil dawn and whether he says and now send me to jail or whether he you know jumps into the explosion or whether he finally takes the bullet from frank um he needs to be the one to do it can she help him along the way well gee whiz pete no one knows he's there she's a doctor of you know brain stuff he's got brain ills um i would hope that there's some progress made with his case in these next couple episodes pete let's talk a little feedback here and for some of these episodes we are we're Recording a little bit ahead, so our pal James, that's at Big Killin', he thought that we had not shared his feedback back in the first episode. Uh, Turns out, Pete, he just got it in a little after we had recorded it, and uh, we got it in the next episode, and he said, should have known better, all love. So, listeners, do keep your feedback coming in, whether it's for particular episodes, for the season as a whole. Uh, Maybe do just avoid spoilers until we're a little bit closer to oh, let's say Valentine's Day somewhere in there, then you can let all the spoilers uh, fly. But whether you're in touch with us, you know, through social media, email, smoke signal, uh, pigeon, raven, whatever it is, uh, we're going to share what you have to say. But Pete, there always to take our call, just the way the Pierce Doctor Dumont is ready billy i guess is the people who support us on patreon.com fantastic geek making it possible with the bleeps and the bloops and the bandwidth and the storage
1: everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content all sorts of levels from there and we would not be able to bring you our bevy of podcasts without your help
0: Big thanks to them, as always, Pete. How can people be in touch with you as they look at their phone, wondering if Billy Russo is in the shower or not?
1: (laughs) Well, don't contact me, because I'm not the person who's going to come and bail you out from that. But uh, if you want to tell me the coast is clear, you can find me on Twitter, at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,315 followers, can't be wrong.
0: And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are fantasticgeek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash fantasticgeek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Pete, as mentioned before, we'll be back tomorrow talking Star Trek Discovery. And then the day after that, on Sunday, talking more Punisher as we continue to race through this excellent season. With that... I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word.
1: Hang in there.